Part six of the Birth of Professional Rugby League in Australia. Selections from the Sydney Morning Herald, nineteen hundred and seven to nineteen hundred and eight. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The nineteen hundred and seven season ends. Rugby union in crisis. Twenty third of August to second of September, nineteen hundred and seven. Friday, twenty third of August, nineteen hundred and seven. Professional Rugby, New South Wales versus New Zealand. The New Zealanders have picked the following team to meet New South Wales on Saturday. Fullback, S. Turtle. Three quarters, G. Smith, H. Rowe and J. Lavery. Five-eighths, E. Wrigley and R. Wynyard. Halves, Kelly and W. Tyler. Forwards, Watkins, W. Mackerel, T. Cross, R. White, W. Johnson, W. Trevathan and Byrne. Emergencies, Gilchrist and Todd. The visitors have chosen a remarkably fine lot of forwards, and with regard to the backs, it will be seen that the team includes G. W. Smith, who established the Australasian record for 120 yards hurdles. The side that can leave out Todd after his exhibition on Wednesday must be a strong one. Harking back to Smith, it will be interesting to see him facing Messenger. Incidentally, it may be mentioned that the visitors think they will put up a record score on Saturday. There is some doubt about Dobbs and Moyer playing in the New South Wales 15. The former received a kick on the head, and Moyer was kicked on the ankle so seriously that it is said that he will have to put it in plaster. English programme. The following representative matches have been arranged for the professional team. December 18th, Yorkshire. January 1st, Wales. January 8th, Cumberland, January 11th, England, January 18th, Lancashire, January 25th, Northern Union. Saturday, 24th of August, 1907. Professional Rugby. New South Wales versus New Zealand. Last big match of the season. The closing match of the season, outside the semi-finals and final of the first grade competition, will be played this afternoon and will be between New South Wales and the New Zealand professional team to visit England. The first engagement resulted in a victory for New Zealand by 12 points to 8 and the second went the same way by 19 points to 5. The second match of the visitors showed a great improvement on the first, the result of the better understanding of one another's tactics which makes for combination. Today's exhibition may be expected to be better still. The arrival of the remaining Aucklanders gives the selectors a wider range of choice. The scene of the contest will be the agricultural ground, and the teams are as follow. New South Wales, fullback, C. Headley. Three quarters, J. Stunts, E. Fry, H. Messenger, A. Devereux. Halves, F. Cheadle, R. Holloway. Forwards, H. Glanville, J. Abercrombie. R. Mabel, S. Pierce, H. Can, R. Graves, H. Hamill, Brackenrig, Emergencies, Brown, Dalpuget, and Courtney. New Zealand, Fullback, S. Turtle, Canterbury, Three Quarters, G. W. Smith, Auckland, H. Rowe, Auckland, J. Lavery, Canterbury, Five Eighths, E. Wrigley, Wairarapa, R. Wynyard, Auckland, Halves, A. Kelly, Wellington, W. Tyler, Auckland. Forwards, E. Watkins, Wellington, W. Mackerel, Auckland, T. Cross, Wellington, 
W. Johnson, Otago, R. Wright, Wellington, W. Trevarthen, Auckland, C. Byrne, Wellington. Referee, Mr. T. O'Farrell. The early match will be between Sydney and East Sydney under the Australian rules. Messenger joins New Zealand team. At length, the negotiations which have been proceeding between the New Zealand team and H.H. Messenger, the crack New South Wales three-quarter, have ended, and the result is that he joins the team for England and will play as one of them, share and share alike. Messenger is 24 years of age and is a native of Balmain, though for over 20 years he has resided almost on the beach at Double Bay. His ability as a footballer was first recognised by one of the masters of the Double Bay Public School, Mr J. Molaire, and he gave him every encouragement and a lot of good advice. Messenger was then about 12 or 14 years of age. For some years he was one of the three quarters of the Warrigal Club, playing in the city and suburban competition. Then he took a spell for a year, and at the end thereof, on an invitation from Mr Fraser, Secretary of Eastern Suburbs Club, he joined that club's second-grade team and helped it to win the competition in 1905. Thus, two years ago, he was playing in the second-grade ranks. Now he is considered to be the finest rugby player in Australia. In 1906, he was promoted to first grade, and the same year he represented New South Wales against Queensland, and this season he played in every representative contest except the one in which Australia was beaten by New Zealand by 26 points to 6, and then he had a bad ankle. The try he got when he leaped over an opponent will be remembered for many years. Messenger will leave on Sunday night with the balance of the New Zealand team by express train to catch the Ortona at Melbourne. Seventeen are remaining behind for today's engagement. The others sail today. It is quite possible that Messenger may follow up rowing for a time in England, but he has not the slightest intention of remaining to play professional rugby there. He will return as soon as the tour is over. His friends are giving him a send-off at the Oddfellows Hall, Willara tonight. A conference. A conference was held last night at the Gresham Hotel between representatives of New South Wales and New Zealand. Those present were Messrs H. D. Hoyle, A. S. Hennessy, A. Burden, H. Messenger, J. C. Gleeson, Palmer, A. H. Baskerville, V. Trumper, and J. J. Giltonen. The business was conducted in camera. Monday, 26th of August, 1907. Professional football. New South Wales versus New Zealand. Won by New Zealand, five points to three. A good match. The third engagement between the professional all-black team to visit England and the New South Wales League was played in warm weather on Saturday afternoon. The agricultural ground where the contest took place was visited by about 8,000 people who saw a hard and at times fast game without much attempt in the way of passing rushes. At half-time, New South Wales led by a penalty goal, three points to nil. In the second spell, thanks to a desire by Messenger to force instead of catching the ball and running it out, the visitors following up a penalty kick at goal secured a try, which was converted into a goal, and the New Zealanders won an exciting game by five points to three. New Zealand won the toss and defended the Paddington end. New South Wales pressed for Messenger's kick-off and after play between the two twenty-fives, 
the home team attacked a high punt in front of the visitors goal was caught by rowe who ran back over his line where he was tackled by two light blues rowe cleared himself splendidly leaving the new south welshman sprawling on the ground and he ran and amidst cheers kicked out at the centre thrown in messenger presently took a drop kick at goal it was a magnificent effort though unsuccessful the visitors forcing the blacks got a splendid rush which extended from their twenty-five to the home line wrigley was specially prominent in this movement which should have closed with a try but for messenger saving and kicking dead to the fence new south wales were however having the better of the game and in the visitors half several free kicks were awarded against the blacks and at length messenger found the way over the bar amidst much cheering new south wales three points to nil the home forwards were showing much the better work in the loose their rushes being very fine the blacks could not handle the ball at all and the passes were not given as accurately as usual a splendid dash was however shown by the visitors and a rare struggle ensued on the home line winyard looking like getting in at length new south wales found relief in a sensational way the visitors three quarters tried passing in front of the opposing goal and devereux intercepted and ran to the centre where he passed to brown who got to the twenty-five but a blind pass pulled up the movement in this burst there was an unrehearsed scene one of the players lost his nether garment and the two teams gathered round him while a fresh pair of pants were requisitioned the game was undoubtedly a good one and was particularly fast winyard broke away at the centre and ran to the home twenty-five where he passed to smith who was splendidly brought down by headley just before half-time the blacks showed a beautiful succession of passes the ball being handled by the halves and three-quarters ground being gained each time until the corner was reached where on the line kelly was held up and from the scrum new south wales relieved half-time scores new south wales three points to nil second half the second spell opened with a hard attack by the blacks and for a time the blues had their work cut out to keep the visitors back the black forwards were playing a great game and the home team were also making the pace a cracker still there was little combination amongst the backs long punts were one of the features of the game headley was playing in capital style after a period of defence the blues using the line got into the visitors territory messenger's line kick driving them to their twenty-five play between the two twenty-fives occupied attention the centre figure of the play being always messenger new south wales were awarded a free for illegal interference on the line-out and going back to the centre line messenger kicked for goal and the effort was blocked the game was willing much too willing a black on one occasion dumped a blue on the ground the new zealanders made the score five to three in a remarkable way they had a free kick in the home twenty-five and the ball was allowed by messenger to go to ground in the hope of a force but instead of the ball going onwards it bounced back and before the home three-quarter could recover johnson came down on the ground secured possession and fell over the line and the try was converted into a goal within five minutes the blacks were again kicking for a goal a penalty for offside in the scrum but nothing resulted a lot of lines out and scrums reduced the value of the game as an exhibition of rugby from a spectator's point of view glanville took a mark inside the visitors half 
and messenger made a good though unsuccessful effort at goal new zealand forcing the main point about the game was the excellent line kicking on both sides messenger presently had another kick at goal this time from a mark by himself and was unsuccessful the whistle sounded on a win for new zealand by five points to three presentation to messenger h messenger who has joined the new zealand team was on saturday night at willara made the recipient of two purses of sovereigns a large number of residents of double bay where the popular footballer has his home and of the eastern suburbs generally met to offer their congratulations to him mr mclaughlin occupied the chair and in handing messenger the token of esteem from the residents referred to the guest's brilliant career as an exponent of the rugby game many of the new zealanders as well as prominent local players were also present some of whom endorsed the chairman's remarks the second presentation was made by mr giltonen on behalf of the new south wales rugby football league departure of new zealand team the new zealand team left by express train last night for melbourne where they will catch the ortona for england they were accorded a send-off by about two hundred people cheers and war cries were given as the train left the station thursday twenty ninth of august nineteen hundred and seven new south wales rugby football league a meeting of the committee of the above was held last night at bateman's crystal hotel the press was not admitted it was however gathered that the players who took part in the three recent matches have intimated that they are prepared to forgo any claims for remuneration preferring to allow their shares to go towards the establishment of a fund on a sound basis messrs boss and o'farrell were made life members of the league they refereed the three matches against the new zealand professional team a referees association formed a meeting to form a referees association in connection with the new south wales rugby football league was held at bateman's crystal hotel last night mr e hooper was in the chair mr t o'farrell was elected secretary pro tem amongst those present were messrs g boss w oberg p a stanton h johnson w h woodhill h odbert g hay g seabrook and p rohan the rules of the new south wales rugby union referees association were adopted with increased remunerations those who join the association will be guaranteed engagement every saturday either as a referee or linesman mr t o'farrell was appointed on secretary and mr p a stanton treasurer mr g boss was elected representative on the league the new rugby meeting of metropolitan union motions out of order a special general meeting of the metropolitan rugby union mr h d wood presiding was held last night to discuss the following resolutions of which mr l g abrams had given notice one that any playing member of a first grade club affiliated to this union representing the state or the union shall be allowed upon the production of a certificate from his employer his loss of wages during such time he shall be absent from his employment which shall not exceed ten shillings per day two should an accident occur to any first-grade player either in an interstate or a competition match which necessitates his being unable to follow his occupation he shall upon the production of a certificate signed by a duly qualified medical man stating that from such accident he is unable to resume his work 
be allowed his loss of wages until such time as the medical adviser certifies that he is able to resume his work three that any playing member of a first grade club affiliated to this union representing either the state or this union shall be allowed the sum of five shillings per day for personal or out-of-pocket expenses in addition to his loss of wages the chairman said it was his duty as president to rule the motion out of order he did so at that stage because if he allowed discussion a point of order would be taken or if it was not it would be his duty to state what his opinion was on the subject the result would be that considerable time would be wasted the resolution was not merely an expression of opinion because it decided that any playing member of a first-grade club should be allowed his loss of wages that was clearly a direction it would also mean amending the rules dealing with professionalism which could only be dealt with by another union mr green asked if there was any way in which the amendments could be discussed the chairman agreed that the matter was of such importance that it would have to be dealt with in the proper way at an early date mr abrams moved to dissent from the chairman's ruling the union he contended was quite in order in discussing the motion he denied that his trend was towards professionalism it was a matter of such vital importance that until someone took a point of order discussion should be allowed so that the public and the players could see that they wanted to do what was right they were face to face with the greatest crisis in australian rugby mr clayton explained why he had seconded the motions mr clayton said he agreed with the speaker's ideas as to a fair allowance being made for loss of wages such for instance as the cricket association granted while he was of opinion that a man should not play for gain he should certainly not suffer loss under those conditions he had agreed to second mr abrams motion mr abrams none of you fellows would take it up mr clayton quite agreed with the chairman's ruling it was no use however trying to bluff the players if they were going to make an allowance they must have a conference with the other states and new zealand or it might result in their not being recognised his idea was that they should then go to the english rugby union and get them to recognise australian conditions hear hear he was sorry some members of the club he represented had broken away he was certain if they had understood all the circumstances they would not have done so but he was convinced the unions would have to make good the losses which players incurred both the public and the players demanded it mr abrams i told you four years ago that it would have to be done had anyone else brought the matter forward it would have been all right cries of order the chairman took exception to mr abrams remark it could only be directed at him mr abrams assured the chairman he had no intention of imputing anything improper to him the motion to dissent from the chairman's ruling was lost monday second of september nineteen hundred and seven review of rugby season first grade competition new zealand matches the rift in the lute by the final match in the first grade competition on saturday important football for nineteen hundred and seven concluded when glebe defeated university for the premiership next season we shall be preparing for dispatching a team to england for nineteen hundred and eight season the curtain has fallen upon the most remarkable year in the history of rugby football in australia and there have been across the tasman sea enough happenings to cause nineteen hundred and seven to be well remembered 
the evenness of club teams and the prospect of the all blacks visit had their effect even in the preliminary engagements in view of such popularity there is no fear of rugby ceasing to be the national football game of new south wales three contests from one saturday to the following saturday attracted a hundred and twenty three thousand people to the sydney cricket ground no one could possibly find fault with the first grade competition despite the plethora of big football club matches attracted large crowds and saturday's twenty thousand was a fitting wind-up to an extraordinary season a casual glance through each saturday's results will furnish quite sufficient evidence that things which are equal to the same are equal to one another does not apply to sport and especially football a was too good for b and b for c but c would beat a out of sight this is what happened through the whole of the season there is one instance in particular university beat glebe by thirteen to nil in the preliminary round in the final glebe beat university by thirteen points to nil between club and club honours are easy glebe have won the premiership the final victory which gives them the championship being thoroughly deserved they rose to the occasion and played perhaps the game of their lives the usually brilliant alma mater representatives gave few instances and then when too late of that combination which has made them famous glebe's showing on saturday was so far ahead of previous displays that one could scarcely believe they were the same team glebe's season has been a peculiar one in some cases they were decidedly lucky to win and strange to say those matches were against the weakest in the competition manley have secured the wooden spoon yet glebe defeated them by no more than nine points to eight st george the runners-up for that doubtful distinction lost to glebe by five to three though the illawarra suburbanites played the better game glebe were quite satisfied to win without establishing big figures they just scraped home on many occasions when they got in front they were content to hold their advantage and the effect of this is shown in the fact that after thirteen matches their credit balance in points is but thirty-nine on the other hand university with three defeats and a drawn game to glebe's two defeats have a credit balance of ninety-one actually within ten of glebe's aggregate points for the season glebe's score twice ran into double figures university did so on nine occasions eastern suburbs showed out promisingly thanks to having on their side the most versatile player in australia messenger after having made a splendid showing right up to the closing stages of the competition they received a blow from the professional movement which left them staggering nevertheless they found recruits who with seven or eight of their former first grade side played glebe so good a game in the semi-final as to be defeated only by three points to nil south sydney had an in-and-out season and considering the weakness of sydney in the back division that team showed at times fine form especially when they defeated university by six to three st george were unfortunate in losing judd whose leg was broken in the first queensland contest the district of balmain is torn by contending football interests it actually supports teams in rugby the australian game and in soccer and in view of so heavy a drain upon the football youth of the suburb the first grade rugby team have done not at all badly before passing away from the first grade competition reference should be made to an incident at the close of saturday's final 
which sent a glow of pleasure coursing through the veins of the spectators time was when the cricket and football grounds were in reality tented fields and not surrounded by piles of buildings such as adorn the sydney cricket ground the enthusiasm of the crowd would reach such a height that a section would break through the boundaries and carry shoulder high the man who had played the most important part in winning for his side the presence of the cold-blooded police have been responsible for the get-up-and-go-straight-home tendency which now exists but on saturday this was broken through a couple of supporters of the glebe club got on to the ground and shouldered high conlon the captain of the victorious team and the crowd looked on beamingly cheering and cheering again the victor and the vanquished was not forgotten saturday's incident recalls a personal recollection of something similar which while there was a possibility of a fatal ending had a decidedly humorous side it was at the finish of the 1880 cricket match between New South Wales and Victoria at Melbourne. Victoria had to get 40 or 50 runs, and there were but two wickets to fall. The game, as far as Victoria was concerned, was apparently all over, bar shouting. Assistance, however, came from an unexpected quarter. Frank Allen, known as the bowler of a century, and Elliot, the wicket-keeper, were together. They were not thought to be able to stand for any length of time but the chances of the game were shown. The two won the match. The crowd rushed the ground and soon had Allen and Elliot in their grip. The former lost consciousness, and it was some time before he was brought round. Now comes the sequel. Some years afterwards, the writer, in referring to Allen, wrote that he was so delicate that he fainted after having helped to win a great Victorian victory. On seeing this, Mr. Allen wrote in explanation, he stated it was not because of delicate health he collapsed, but because one of the crowd, more enthusiastic than the rest, had him by the throat and was strangling him. Next day, wrote Mr. Allen, I was dining at Pera's in Burke Street, and a gentleman, a stranger, sitting at the same table, offered his congratulations upon the previous day's win, and asked how did I like being carried off the ground into the pavilion. I replied, I did not like it at all, for one man, in the excess of enthusiasm, had me by the throat, and all but strangled me. At this the stranger jumped to his feet, threw out his bosom, smote his chest, and his face glowing with pride, exclaimed, That was I! I informed him, continued Mr. Allen, that unless he wished to be called upon to answer a charge of manslaughter, not to carry a man that way again. Harking back to the football season, the results of all big engagements have the effect of placing New South Wales ahead of Queensland and on a par with New Zealand. If the result of the games with the All Blacks, one win each and a drawn game, is to be accepted as the outcome of improvement amongst the New South Welshmen, then there is occasion for congratulation. Indeed, looking no farther than actual results, there is satisfaction in the fact that New South Wales played such good games with New Zealand. But whether honours easy is due to improvement in the home side or a deterioration in the visitors is not quite clear. The form shown by the New Zealanders, except on one or two occasions, was not what previous teams have shown. They themselves claim to be quite as good as the combination which visited Australia in 1903, but upon that point there is considerable doubt. The success of New South Wales, following upon the series of triumphs by the All Blacks in Great Britain, is responsible for the hope that the team for England next year will acquit themselves creditably. 
the close of the season has been marked in new zealand and new south wales by a step which strikes a big blow at amateurism a professional new zealand team are now on their way to the north of england a league having for its object recompense for loss of time which is not allowed under the new south wales rugby union has been formed in new south wales during the summer this body will no doubt work hard to place itself on a sound footing as to how far it will succeed only time can tell that there are hardships upon players under the constitution of the old unions is admitted even by those who stick for out-and-out -out amateurism the professional movement whether it be successful or not will apparently have the effect of improving the case of representative players it has stirred leading members of the governing bodies to action but those who are responsible will suffer the usual martyrdom they will probably be disqualified for life. End of part six.